0: You're listening to the ON60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the ON60 Pod for all the latest news from around the OHL. And now, here are your hosts, Reese Dumaney and Colin Ward.
1: And this is the first one from home with Colin Ward in Delhi, Ontario. I'm Reese Dumaney in Brantford, Ontario. And uh, this is the 36th episode of the ON60 Podcast, which is back to being a weekly
0: podcast we're back I feel like we got to post like the background I know eh
1: you got got the Dylan Larkin jersey and then the London Knights jersey and I need I uh, need to collect the OHL I I have a (laughs) white garage door behind me (laughs) like control (laughs) 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 to get big show anyways from home um again apologies for if the audio quality is a little bit uh worse than you're used to uh just uh, the way my work situation is going. Uh, we're at home for the foreseeable future. But uh, we will carry on. And on today's show, we've got, of course, our featured game, which uh, which Ooh, saw the one. Charlottetown Islanders take on the Moncton Wildcats in the opening night, one of seven games in the uh, QMJHL that night. Uh, so we'll get
0: to that uh, in the second segment. What, yeah, what, what a Yeah, what that's unreal. That's my, that might be the nicest rank in the queue. I mean, Quebec's got a nice one, but Halifax. Yeah. Yeah. Her rank to her. Okay.
1: <laughs> to her. Road trip. Um, <laughs> uh, we've also got, uh, as we lead up into the NHL draft, which by the way happens tonight. And if you're listening past Tuesday, well, and yeah. that sucks. Hopefully Detroit got a good pick for you, but, uh, so we'll yeah. lay out uh, our top OHL prospects as well as not predict, but who we see going where it will be a little tough to do, um, you know, beyond the top 10, but we'll try and do our best. We've looked at uh, video. We've seen a, a couple reports about who's going to go where. So uh, we'll talk about that to finish off the show. But uh, to begin, if anyone didn't see my tweet, uh, you can follow me at Reese Dumany on Twitter. Um, I retweeted this basically summing up uh, what Rick Westhead had to say after his interview with provincial sport minister, Lisa McLeod in regards to the OHL's return to play, which of course uh, they're planning on starting December 1st with training camps opening up November uh, in the middle of November. And so I'll just quickly sum it up for you before we get into uh whether you want to call it a debate or a, or a discussion, but uh the main points that I took from that is the QMJHL, they had 25% of fans for opening weekend. For the O, Lisa McLeod said no fans, at least to start the season in OHL buildings. And we'll have a breakdown of what 25% looks like uh, in the OHL. And we'll get it's to a that later on. Well, it's yeah, a math. Right? Big math
0: guys now. Big math guys now.
1: Better than uh, geography, guys. We got a guy for that.
0: So, guys <laughs> <could imagine> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the
1: conventional high school classes. We were in the uh, other high school classes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, point number two: the Erie Otters, Flint Firebirds, and Saginaw Spirit will have to relocate to Ontario in order to play the oh. other seventeen teams, or stay in the U.S and play each other all year
0: i don't like that dumb (laughs) that drive that drive from saginaw to erie no thanks won't be fun in february you can say yeah i want to do that i want to do that until you actually have to do it yep then no yeah i'll pass yeah the storm in the winter winter. yeah all the the
1: storms off of lake erie yeah
0: yeah that's not a fun drive i don't like that i'd rather them just come over if they can to be honest
1: yep so we might even get into uh Uh, As we continue this discussion, again, we chat about it in an earlier episode. I'd have to go back and uh, listen to hear exactly which one it was, but uh, possible homes, I guess you could say, for uh, these OHL clubs. So We might get into that uh, a little bit. (laughs) We had Um, a couple. Yeah, yeah, we had a few options.
0: Woodstock wouldn't be bad. Woodstock has a nice arena for their Junior C team. Mm -hmm. Woodstock wouldn't be bad. Yeah, home of the Navy Vets and uh, Niagara Ice (laughs) Dog, Andrew Bruder, used
1: to play there hey shout out <laughs> uh, another big point possibly no fighting or body checking and now we'll I'll stop <laughs> yeah, right really there and we'll get to another point <laughs> after this but uh so Quebec in order <laughs> for that the what's that
0: the featured game was pretty rough sorry to cut you off but the featured no. game the week Friday was pretty rough yeah I mean a couple of guys squared off the, the linesman did a good job getting in there and just reminding the guys hey can't do that this year I tweeted like that, but (laughs) it's kind of hard to tweet. Like you're saying something. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, the $20 million were contingent on the QMJHL doing something for the government or for the league to better um, whether you want to say, Oh, better social distancing. We can't do that with body checking. And that's where Lisa McLeod's coming from. But uh, in the Quebec major junior hockey league, in opening weekend, the new rules that came into effect. And the OHL has seen a couple of these rules already, um, but obviously it's more hefty of the punishments for being in a fight in the queue during the game. So all players involved in a fight will receive a 10-minute misconduct penalty as well as the typical five-minute fighting major. Um, As previous, it was just the five minutes. And then, of course, anyone that instigates it, and the OHL has this, that's extra two minutes, and the other team will get a power play out of it. And of course, these began on opening weekend. We saw it uh, in our featured game, like Colin mentioned. And the OHL has this, too, after three times. After their third fight is a one-game suspension, and then plus another game suspension for each additional as this article i'm looking at from cbc they call it skirmish
0: yeah my that's- problem is with the no no checking my problem is about that is what about face-offs because mm-hmm. face-offs in the game face-offs you're around guys more than actually body checking body checking is like bumper cars you hit them and you go yep unless you're not skating unless you're not a good skater but if you're a good skater you hit them and you go mm-hmm. bump a guy oh my gosh well
1: <laughs> and that that's minor hockey these days right and The thought thought crossed my mind is you've got these kids playing minor midget, getting ready to get drafted into the OHL come uh, next spring into the summer. And how can you judge, how can you possibly judge a player with no face-offs, no body checking um, three on three, four on four all the time. And we've already seen minor hockey leagues um, delay starts even more the GTHL this past weekend. Uh, said that they're not starting on time. They're stopping it. And, of course, why not? Look at Toronto, how they're dealing with this. Great job, guys.
0: Well, that's um, a problem, too. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, right now, sorry to cut you off again, but I think no, – right, you're good. I think right now, I would, like, I would say there's a 30% chance there's a season after seeing this tweet. Yeah, o- the after- o- OHL season. Yeah. I think there's a 30% chance. I know the GTHL got postponed till January 4th. Mm-hmm. So that's tough for draft year, guys, because you're barely going to play. Yep. I mean, you probably play about 15, 20 games and it'll be like basically done your season already, which is too bad because there won't be tournaments. Nope. No. Nope. So that's too bad.
1: Uh, it, just I'll say a quote here quickly from uh, Minister McLeod. And if you haven't seen this full tweet thread, um, at our Westhead is where you can find it. Rick Westhead, the uh, uh, reporter working on this story. Uh, McLeod says the fact is that you can't have physical contact right now. We certainly will not be allowing people to be body checking at the moment. We are trying to contain a healthcare crisis, and those other rules don't really bother me. The fighting thing—you could, be, you could have OHL without fighting. You really could.
0: Yeah, yeah but that's where a lot of people love when they go to games. Let's say. Niagara, Oshawa, they got a rivalry, mm-hmm. Niagara, Hamilton. They got a rivalry. Let's London, Kitchener. Yeah, yeah. And yeah.
1: That, that that that's what I was going to say. Like that's fact, the only like, thing you get into those games and the historic rivalry between Kitchener and London and you know yeah. all the was, like Ottawa, Kingston, like there's going to be fights. You can't was, not emotions. have fights in games like those.
0: Yeah, emotions run high and honestly, a lot of fans that have messaged me on Twitter, I've had a couple of guys message me on Twitter about this. And I was thinking like a lot of them are gonna miss that. Like mm-hmm. they brought up points like London, Kitchener, Oshawa, in Niagara, Ottawa, and Kingston. They brought those points up, saying like when you go to a game, when you get to see the two guys, like the two veteran guys on the shutdown lines match yep. up, you know that why they're out there and they're gonna hit. E- they're hitting each other. Mm-hmm. Next, time they drop the gloves. Emotions run high. They drop the gloves. Yeah, the whole arenas go crazy. The fans love it. It draws everybody. I know there's you're trying to get out of that part of the game. But at the end of the day, fighting still should exist in our game because fans like to see that they're paying top dollar to watch Mm -hmm. their team play. And they want to see the best quality of hockey and they want to see guys play their role. Yep. Well, again, with the scouting, we talked about
1: uh, just a second ago, team scouting for the OHL draft. If you're scouting for the NHL draft, and you don't have players hitting or fighting or showing character, like that's one of the top points as they look at, that's why they meet with players is to see what kind of character they are. Are they, uh, you know, I'm just going to sit in the corner of the room, listen to the coach, listen to the leaders of the team and, you know, be, be myself, stay within myself and know my role. Or are you going to be the one that stands up and, whether you're a captain or not says, Hey guys, let's get our heads out of our rear ends. Let's figure this out. Like I'm going to get a Tilly going right now. Like, you know, that's, (laughs) you like that, eh? Uh, Um, that's, that's just another aspect of the game that can't be, uh, taken away. And, you know, you'd start to wonder if you're trying to save the season, but how are you going to have an NHL draft if you don't have a season? Because half of the maybe not half of the draft, but you know maybe a third of it, a quarter of it, whatever, the players come from the Canadian Hockey League. Now I know Quebec has started; they've got fighting, they've got hitting.
0: It's the best um, development league in the world, CHL. Yeah,
1: exactly, and now it's the OHL and the WHL to figure things out. And I know David Branch; he's been in contact with the QMJHL. I'm sure they have out in the WHL as well, just to see, you know, how can we figure this out? What are you guys doing? What can we Uh, use from you that would work for us. And again, they don't have the American team uh, hurdle. Whereas in the WHL, it's not as bad because there's there's five teams, not
0: three. Yeah. They can have their own division. And then hopefully by the playoffs, there's, Hey, uh, Mm -hmm. you can play. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the WHL will go before the OHL does just because Ontario with the three teams, you can't really have them play each other because, What about when time he gets to the playoffs and stuff for the WHL, you can possibly wait all the way to like the finals, to be honest. Yeah. Or having to, you can cross the border. And by then hopefully knock on wood that there's a <laughs> vaccine or the age yeah. is turned hopefully with this thing.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. The WHL, they could almost do, and I know there's not five teams in each division, um, but you can almost do even number of teams. Uh, make the playoffs, some miss, you play within your division, the mm-hmm. playoffs, and then whether it's the conference finals or the semifinals when you have to finally um, start. Like- or, the, or if the division winner, you play a, like a tournament within your division, the winner goes on to face one team from each other division, and they do a kind of Mem Cup style, Yeah, I like guess. Q's
0: kind of doing right now. Yeah. The only problem I have with the Q is their, their winner is going to have to wait a long time for the Memorial Cup. Yep. It's going to be like getting beat out in the first or second round, to be honest. I, think I, w- like I wonder seven.
1: how much discussion, uh, I assume not very much discussion went into that whole. Uh, uh, you what know, you yeah. Call yeah, like that whole discussion about, oh, well, you're starting two months later. What are my teams going to do for those two months waiting for you guys? Because the CHL's decided the Mem Cup date. They've already yeah. decided it. Like that yeah. was the CHL. Why can't? Why should? Why didn't you um, wrap your season around that and have a plausible start date? And again, they could just say, "Hey, we'll just play two more months of games."
0: Yeah, start preseason in October, then go yeah. to start in November. Start a month. Yeah, a month earlier,
1: or play fifteen more games than the other two leagues.
0: Yeah, you could do that. That'd be good for NHL scouts. NHL scouts, yeah, because like you get more games, and players would like that. You get more video.
1: Yep. Yeah, so um, that's basically what's going on uh, in terms of fighting and hitting and the OHL returning possibly, possibly not. And um, in terms of no fans at the ranks, and we might as well get into this now, Acon eh, looking around at the 25% uh, yep. for fans in each rank. And I'll just say, again, Lisa McLeod on this topic, <laughs> um, I don't see that happening at the moment, saying yep. fans in the buildings. Um, the last thing we want is to open – and then have unintended consequences that put the safety and well being of the athletes, spectators, and others at risk.
0: I think by March, I think by March, it will be, it'll be after the trade deadline. It won't be before the trade deadline, but I think by March, there will be fans. I think it'll be 25%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so ho- hopefully for the Memorial Cup, there's 50%. That'd be nice. Yeah, that I mean, would wh- be. Whether that's in Sault Ste. Marie, Oshawa, still. I think still undetermined. right now, when you look at the daily cases, that's why it's such a long ways away for the yeah. OHL to have fans. I mean, the major sit market cities in their league are mm-hmm. having daily tests through the roofs, right, with Ottawa and Toronto. Yeah, so yeah and a
1: lot of a lot of people are making the argument, oh, well, Oshawa, uh, you think of some of the teams in the GTA, Oshawa, oh, that's not Toronto, that's in Durham.
0: It's still close, close enough. Like, I mean, it's right there. there. Yeah, it's an easy media outlet, right? I mean, yep. Bell Media is there. uh, mm-hmm. Sports, Rogers is there. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of media markets there for the Memorial Cup. Yeah. So that's where I think Sue gets the advantage right now. I think we'll end up going to Oshawa because Oshawa has basically started their movement to saying, hey, we're going to host the Mem Cup by making moves. Mm-hmm. So I think Oshawa will get the Mem Cup. But at the end of the day, I think that uh, Sue's a better fit just because the daily cases are down. Yep. And, you know, like I said, Mem Cup Village. <laughs> You've been well, living off of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like Olympic Village. It would be so cool to have. Sue so you get the Mem Cup. Yeah, it would I'll, be. I'll be a tour guide. Not a boy.
1: Okay, so to this twenty five percent, Colin put up a list of what it would look like in terms of each OHL building. The Barry Colts. We'll start with them. We'll go alphabetical order. Uh, yep. We'll 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 each do every other rink. Uh, the Barry Colts up at the uh, Sadlon Arena, no longer the BMC. Yeah. The capacity in normal times. Is just under forty two hundred. It's forty one ninety five, and at twenty five percent capacity is one thousand and twenty three people. That's not bad. No, that's not bad. And right. I don't, I'm not. I'm
0: not sure that number even includes the restaurant. That's no, attached it's to it. Only it's seating only because I don't think the restaurants will be open for the game because of the seating. It will for like pre-game and stuff, I, right? Again, but what, so there will be enough room for ten people, maybe social distancing like, and stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, so that really isn't too much of a factor. The
0: Erie Insurance Arena? Nice building. Yeah, very nice building. Uh, 6,716 is their normal capacity. Uh, 25%, it is 1,679. That's a big difference there. Mm -hmm. You notice a huge difference, but I mean, it's going to be different. I feel like, well, a lot of Knights won't probably go there this year, but when a lot of Knights go there and you hear that Sweet Caroline, I'm sure they will like that, uh, not hearing it as loud. Yeah, that's very true. Although the new building they find, I'm sure they'll find a way to,
1: to feed oh, that sure. in. <laughs> oh, for sure. If they find a new building. Um, again, the same concern for the next team, the Flint Firebirds, the
0: yeah, but federal... Sorry, go ahead. The one point I want to add about Flint is Flint has a very... It gets very loud in there it because it's a low-roof type arena, low-ceiling arena, so the mm-hmm. noise gets trapped right in the middle of the ice. So I don't think... like I know there's not a lot of fans in here that you're going to read, but I know that it'll still get loud in there because of the venue. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would agree with that. Uh, uh, the Dort federal credit uh, union event center. Jeez. The door, the, the Dort. Yeah. <laughs> the <door>. uh, <laughs> Full capacity is 4,365 and at 25%, it would hold 1091 people. Again, that's if the American team say we can't find a home, we're just going to play each other. So these numbers for the American teams, doesn't really they need matter.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: exactly. Sounds
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so on the Guelph, uh, the Sleeman Center, 4,715 is their normal capacity uh, with 25% capacity, 1,178 people allowing you to attend the game. The one thing is with Flint or with uh, Guelph, they don't have a very good exit system in that arena. Yeah. It, They only have the one main exit and it's into a shopping mall. So I think they'll have to really access the following exits in the arena itself, because there's a lot of walkways. You have to walk through a restaurant to go all the way around, completely around the bowl where I don't think you would want people walking through that restaurant. So maybe the bowl, you won't be able to walk all the way around it. Mm -hmm. You have to go out and around, but I think the exit points are going to have to be big for Guelph because you can't, you have to have uh, social distancing, leaving the arena and going into the arena as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's right downtown, which I guess it would help area local businesses. That's the one thing about the Sleeman Center is there are quite a few of them right by the rink. So that would also be a nice economic impact on the city of Guelph.
0: Yeah, uh, exactly. to To have Guelph Storm hockey back. The shopping mall itself and Guelph, there's not a lot there, but it's a nice area. It's a nice place to go there. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of bistros, cafes in the mall itself to just chill out before the game. Yep. Well, and that's the
1: the one thing I wanted to bring up too, is because in Brantford here at at the good old uh, uh, Linden Park Mall, (laughs) (laughs) um, you get a temperature check at the door. So that's, I'm not sure if that's all malls. That'll be a thing. Um, So, yeah. If you think about it, if you have to get a temperature check to go into the mall, plus one to go into the arena,
0: oh, for sure, that's and, a two. Read, and a read, probably. Yeah, any, any symptoms, mm-hmm. this, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've heard it already. Yeah, I mean, the big thing I took away too from the players thing is also to get back to that for a quick sec uh, mm-hmm. the testing, the testing, how often are they going to be able to test just because? I mean, the OHL doesn't have the money like the NHL, where you can test a guy every single day, two, three times a day if you want to, where the OHL, is it going to be weekly? Is it going to be daily? Is it going to be monthly? I don't think it would be monthly. Maybe at the most it would be every other week, yeah. but I think it would be weekly. Yeah, it's nice you bring
1: that up too, because in this, in this thread from Rick Westhead, Dr. Andrew Morris, who I assume he also interviewed for this piece, says that it's a bad idea to even contemplate major junior hockey right now because yeah. Ontario has an 85,000 test backlog. Yeah. Again, it would be separate for the OHL, for their players, the uh, coaches, front office, whatever. It'll be different for them. It'll be over, you know, it'll be private, what What have you, but uh, um, that's not really a good sign <laughs> because... If you're yeah, general you like- media looking and I don't know if they're going to allow media, then you're going to be part of those 85,000 tests. And it's probably going to go up where it's going to get yeah. stuck there. And yeah. And I don't think many people want to wait five and six hours in line. Yeah. That would, yeah. That would be a little rough. Yeah, um, you can catch it. Yeah. Back to the arenas. And this is the biggest one in the Ontario hockey league. The Hamilton Bulldogs out of the first Ontario center, of course, a former American hockey league building holds 17,388 fans. And at 25% would be 4,347.
0: That's what the top bowl open, which is pretty good. The top bowl open yeah, 4,000 is a little bit more than a regular bulldog game anyways. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it and it, and again, we're not that's not a shot at the Bulldogs. It's it's a big oh, rink. Oh. It it makes it look like a small crowd it's because it's a tenants. big rink.
0: Yeah, it's not about a tenants number.
1: Yeah. Um, and again, this that would be an arena where I could see a lot of OHL fans from wherever going to because they hold just mm-hmm. under 4350. Yes. They'll know that, oh, there's more ticket availability whereas if, you know, Listen. I want to go to Guelph and they only hold just mm-hmm. under 1200 I might not get a spot. I want to go watch hockey.
0: Yeah. Cause season ticket holders get the first priority. Yep. I mean, even that every four home games, a season ticket holder, if they sell out season tickets, every four games, a season ticket home games, a season ticket holder can attend. I mean, yeah, you're going to see a lot of people make road trips to Hamilton for sure. Yep. Uh, on the Kingston, the Leon Center, 5,614. So regular attendance uh, with 25% capacity at 1,403. That's not bad. No. That's not bad. Nice arena up there. Yeah. I mean, it's too bad because uh, Kingston, I think, was going to have a major spike in attendance this year with a yep. regular season. just because you got the Shane Wright deal. I mean, yep. you're going to Martin Chromia get picked early. Yeah, Zade Wisdom. Know. By
1: the way, shout out yeah. to Zade Wisdom for the most recent award. Yeah. He just won.
0: Yeah, congrats, Dave. That's a big. Account. That's pretty cool to win that.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh, to the Kitchener Rangers, the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium on a regular night, on a regular Friday night, at the odd or Tuesday, the East Avenue Blue. Yes, <laughs> yeah, on a Tuesday, eh? <laughs> uh, the odd holds seventy-one thirty-one and twenty-five. Twenty-five percent capacity is seventeen eighty-two. That's not bad. Still, be a rowdy Rangers fan base.
0: It'll be like, it'll be like the old. It'll be like the upgrade wasn't even there, like the renovation. Yeah, I know. Hey, eh? <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah. pre- the press guys. Yeah, I was gonna say they
1: they still sit in Waterloo to call the game. So yeah, it's like a Matt Devlin there, every goal from
0: Waterloo, and <laughs> <laughs> Ellie from Waterloo.
1: Ooh, that'd be a good goal call. By the way, guest on episode 34, if
0: you want to go back and listen mm-hmm. to it. On to the London Knights, uh, Budweiser Gardens. Regular attendance is 9,036. Uh, with 25% capacity, it's 2,259. Not bad. It's still a big hit. I mean, yep. they're going to lose a lot. I mean, they got a big arena like that in here you now. I have 2,000 mm-hmm. fans. That's a big difference. But yeah. I mean, everyone else is going to go through it. In a, yep. But I mean, a big arena. You made the money before, so that's a good thing, I guess. But yeah, that'll be that'll be
1: sold out every night. You know, you know there will be twenty two fifty nine in yeah. that building every night.
0: Yeah, I calculated it'll be every four games for your mm-hmm. season ticket
1: holders to attend. Mm. Yeah, I guess you would know that, eh? Yeah, forgot your dad had those. <laughs> uh, uh, the Mississauga Steelheads, uh, the Paramount Fine Food Center. By the way, thank you for upgrading your media room food the last couple of years. It was awesome.
0: Arena though that's a it nice, is it is a nice, nice arena whole complex it's like I like Windsor too because you go there and you got a lot of stuff to do before the game. Yep. You, miss a saga, you got the other arenas, you got like that field house, which is pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. so on a regular night it holds fifty-four twenty and twenty-five percent is one thousand three hundred and
0: fifty-five. That's not bad. I mean, they had that for a couple of games last year. So that's not yep, bad. Yep. Uh, the Niagara Ice Dogs, Meridian Center. This'll this is a big one too. is a big one because Niagara always gets that complete sell out, basically. Mm-hmm. That's a this is another one that's uh, tough. Uh this is, doesn't include standing room as well. Uh five thousand three hundred. But yeah, um,
1: and Niagara can hold another hundred people standing room. So
0: yeah. Uh the twenty-five percent capacity, it's one thousand three hundred and twenty-five. I mean that's tough because I know there's a few teams in the league that just break even every year. That's mm-hmm. another thing where I don't think the owners will be on board for a season with 25%. I will yeah. not make money. You kind of got to take what you get. But at the end of the day, that's tough to make anything when you're not... when you're breaking even, even every year with sellouts. When yeah. you don't have a sellout, that's tough.
1: Yeah, yeah I would have to agree. Uh,
0: your, uh, in-game, like... Jersey sales and stuff go up then. Yeah. Yeah. Especially
1: if Niagara starts getting their third jersey rolling.
0: Oh, yeah. Alternate jerseys. Wink, wink.
1: Exactly. <laughs> um, to their division rival and the home of first overall pick from this past year, Ty Nelson.
0: Another nice show guest.
1: Yep. The uh, North Bay Memorial Gardens holds 4,262 and at 25% is 1,065.
0: Solid. That's an underrated arena.
1: It's a nicer building than you think when I went up there and I don't recommend doing a five hour bus trip. That wasn't too fun, but again, it was fun for the experience. Um, And that's from Niagara, not Windsor. (laughs) Screw that trip. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, It's a nice building. When you pull up, you can tell it's been renovated. Like it's got upgrades. Like it's, it's nice. It's different because it's not like it's not round. You could inside; it's square. You look at buildings square on the outside, and they got the rounded bowl. Here, it's you've got stands on both sides, and they end at the goal line. And then there's two sides on the ends, and they're just square, and it's it's different. And I yeah. I enjoyed going to that rink.
0: Series kind of like that a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, on the Oshawa Tribute Community Center. Uh five thousand one hundred and eighty, but that's only seating, right? Mm-hmm. Not, uh including standing room, uh 25% capacity. We got one thousand two hundred and ninety-five. That's not bad. Yeah. Also, uh, another one that kind of that's tough because I mean they're going in for the Memorial Cup. Yep. Familiar, you would love to have a full building every game. You know you were going to because you were gonna make a run for it. You come out and say you are, so you're going to. Mm-hmm. That's another one there. It's tough to see.
1: That's where Oshawa might get a Get a leg up on Sault Ste. Marie and we'll get to Sault Ste. Marie's attendance in in a couple seconds here. But uh, Oshawa holds more fans. Their arena uh, has a bigger capacity. So that's where the league might go. Okay, more ticket sales, more money. Okay, we're going to go there. So that's one thing that works in their favor compared to Sault Ste. Marie. Um, To the nation's capital where coronavirus cases are getting up there. Uh, TD Place Arena, home of the 67s. It holds 9,500 fans. Uh, and 25% capacity is 2,375.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, the cool part about this arena is it's got the football field, like yep. you know, under the stands. That's a cool part. If people didn't know that, it's There, the red block play, if if, cool.
1: if they got enough interest, and I'm not saying people will sit outside in the snow and watch hockey off of a big screen, That's what
0: you're gonna say. but if what they
1: you're... got enough interest and maybe in the playoffs, they would sell tickets at the football stadium to watch the game on the big screen.
0: Yeah. That's an idea. Or yeah. on the field. Or in the yeah.
1: field. Because they're the one team that has that option to do that. And I know in Hamilton you can use Tim Hortons field and well um, but it's not right there. It's not, you know, next to the stadium where okay. you could be it. around other fans and get pumped up. It's a little bit a ways away from the first on Terra
0: Social distancing on the field. You got Queens, Kingston, you got Guelph university with, uh, yep. like you put the Guelph, uh, you got London with Western, you have Kitchener with Laurier Waterloo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you go to the field, you social distance. Yeah. watch the game. That'd be pretty cool for the playoffs. Yeah, it would generate more revenue. Yep. That's all right. Uh, to the Owen sound attack with the Bay shore. Uh, Three thousand five hundred is your uh, normal attendance. Twenty-five uh, percent capacity is eight hundred and seventy-five. Mm-hmm.
1: That's not bad. That's yeah, not bad. smallest building in the league. Another one. Even though it's only eight seventy-five, it'll still get loud.
0: Yeah, they'll yeah. get. They'll get. Yeah, people are gonna go right. That whole town shuts down for games, which I love about that. You get that small community hockey feel. Yep. I mean, we're both from not very big cities i mean i'm definitely not but i mean i, mean, I, mean, I kind of am
1: i was born in hamilton windsor okay. cambridge brantford's not too too big but
0: i mean going back to here like when the junior team was a solid junior team i mean you had about 800 people in the arena mm-hmm. for a junior d game at the time i mean that's what it's all about that small community hockey field I, mean, I feel like Owen Sound will be identical to that which is yeah. pretty cool to look forward to yeah that would be that would be something uh, pretty awesome uh, to the
1: Peterborough Peets, which they are the second smallest rink in the Ontario Hockey League at the PMC, uh, regular day, 3,729 fans. Uh, 25% is 932, so just missing 1,000 by about
0: 68. Uh, that's, arena, that's an arena too where you can make a lot of noise too. Small, mm-hmm. Any arena with a small roof makes a lot of noise because the sound gets trapped at center eyes. Yep. It's great. You get that old time feel. Yeah. On the Saginaw, the Dow event center, the Dow. Uh 5,000, <laughs> the Dow versus the Dort. Five thousand five hundred and twenty-seven is regular capacity. Uh 25% capacity would be 1,381.
1: That's that kind of that kind of sucks for Saginaw a little bit because their attendance, just like Flint's, had been just going up minutes. in the last two, three years and you know, the fan base was getting bigger and bigger. Obviously, success helps with that. But um, just where they're at and Cole Perfetti, and I don't think he'll be in the NHL next year. I think he'll be back with Saginaw wherever he goes, whether it's Detroit or Buffalo or, you know, wherever. Um, he will be back. And that that sucks for Saginaw Spirit fans because that building in the playoffs was – that was pretty wild to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. Even
1: though it was just on TV.
0: Yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah, Uh, to the Sarnia sting. And uh, we'll talk about arena situations with the O.H. With uh, the American teams coming up and possibilities with Sarnia being right there at the uh, progressive auto sales arena on a regular night is four thousand one hundred and eighteen with twenty five percent. It's one thousand twenty nine. That's not bad. That's not standing room either. There's lots of standing room there.
0: Yeah, I know they have a community thing from parking. The parking yep. they have the two dollar extra on tickets. I know that goes to the free parking. So mm-hmm. really you're just paying two dollars for parking. Yeah. But I know they have a like a fund. So hopefully there's a lot there that they can use to get to the get through the season as well. Yeah. On to another memorial cup bid team, the Sue Greyhounds, uh GFL Memorial Gardens, Great Arena. Uh 4,928 regular, uh 25% capacity. It's uh 1232 That's not a bad, nice arena. It's a great arena there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that maybe works for Sue is it's high. The roof's high. Like it's not one of the low buildings. Like, I don't know what that has to do with social distancing. Probably nothing, but um, yeah, yeah, I know. Um, So again, they fall short of Oshawa in terms of attendance, but not in terms of COVID-19 cases. So
0: yeah. If it Um, even matters at that time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Sudbury Wolves, the Sudbury Community Arena on a regular night, 4,640. And with 25% is 1,160.
0: Solid. Solid. I mean, it would have been bad if it would have happened last year. Yeah. At this time, COVID, because the whole Byfield experience, no one would have got to experience him mm-hmm. doing greatness up there in Sudbury. So that's kind of tough, but – hopefully they can get on and uh, get a season going and get the 25% in here soon. Yep. On um, To the last, but not least Windsor uh, winter Spitfires, uh, WFCU center. Uh, normal night is 6,450, 25% capacity is 1,612. I mean, great arena, great market up there. Yep. That's been heard as well. I mean, it's tough to see, but I mean, at least it's something, right. It's better than nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, that's, a breakdown of what 25% capacity looks like around the OHL and uh, the discussion continues. We got to take a break. Uh, We'll come back afterwards and uh, talk about the featured game hockey is actually going on out East. So we'll get to that. Charlottetown took on Moncton. I've still got, I've still got our predictions. I've still got our keys to the game, our captain obvious keys to the game. (laughs) <laughs> um, so we'll go through those. We'll break down the game, tell you what we saw. And uh, oh, now um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You liked him.
0: Oh yeah. I tweeted about <laughs> it. I'm
1: excited about that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to that game coming up next here on the Owen 60 podcast.
0: This is the Owen 60. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen 60 pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL.
1: Welcome back to the Owen sixty podcast. I'm Reese Demani, along with Colin Ward. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at the Owen sixty podcast. Uh, hockey was back this past weekend uh, out east in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and because we hadn't done a featured game in God knows how long, we thought we would pick one of them from opening night and have a little bit of fun with it and start covering some hockey again. So we chose the Moncton Wildcats hosting the Charlottetown Islanders. And now before I, before we break it down and everything and give you what we thought about the game, let's go back to last week and uh, run through our predictions of the game. And I just got them written down here. Uh, Colin had Moncton winning 6-4 with Moncton scoring an
0: empty netter. I, thought it was gonna be a game. <laughs> I really thought it was going to be a run and gun game. At the start of the game, when uh, they came out there and got two, Vinnie LaBelle, yeah, a former London draft pick, Ottawa native. When he came out and scored the first two like that, I go, we might have a six-two game. Then <laughs> Charlottetown comes out and scores four unanswered. It's like, yeah. oh no, I'm in trouble. Oh, yeah. uh, um, yeah.
1: I had Charlottetown winning at five-two. I was one goal off. I was one power play goal off as well. Um, I had uh, <laughs> Charlottetown scoring two power play goals. Um, our captain, obvious keys to the game. <laughs> I had Charlottetown they had to draw penalties. You know, they had to keep their feet moving. You know um, it had been a while since they have played in a real game. They played exhibition this season for uh, in the queue, but in terms of regular season games, it'd been a while. So I knew that some legs might not be there. Um, You know, it might be a little bit tough to adjust. So I had them drawing to draw a lot of penalties and Colin had Moncton's key to the game to block shots. Yeah, And they didn't block enough.
0: Yeah, not enough. I mean, they had a couple of key block shots, but yeah. not to laugh at it. Then,
1: yeah, Jordan you know. Spence, man. Holy crap. What a game he had. Despite lose a losing effort, Jordan Spence played really well.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, there was one miscue. I will bring that up a little bit later. There was a little bit of a brain fart by him, but he didn't get much help from his D partner. So uh, I'll bring that up uh, when we go through uh, the goals and everything. Uh, it was a 4-2 final. Uh, Charlottetown defeated Moncton. Um, shots on goal were 28-22 in favor of the Charlottetown Islanders in terms of my key to the game. Charlottetown got five power plays, and they only scored once. So that would have been a big reason why they would have lost this game if you know Moncton would have scored five, six
0: goals. Up. you know They yeah. only Two scored once up. on five yeah. tries. That's not good. Yeah, they came out gunning as expected at home, right? Home opener. You got, the, mm-hmm. you got some fans there. I mean, you've been sitting on the couch for longer than usual. You're ready to go. Yeah. So that's always good.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of power play opportunities, I thought, at the point in the game where if they would have scored here, it for sure would have been over because it was just power play after power play,
0: it seemed like, in the second period. So cool. I was surprised because there was still puck movement. There were still chances. I thought there's more structure than I thought there was going to be in the game. I didn't Mm -hmm. think there'd be much structure. I thought it'd be more run and gun just because it's been so early in the year. Yep. But I mean, good on them. Good on the coaches. They had everybody ready. And by the way, for fans wondering, coaches did wear a mask. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Everything in the mask situation, too, in the seats, you had to wear a mask everywhere but your seat. Yeah. Once you were sitting in your seat, you could take your mask off. Yeah. So again, to the 25%,
1: hopefully we get you in there, but wear your damn masks yeah. um, face-offs in this game. Uh, Charlottetown won 34 uh, compared to 25 for Moncton. Uh, the hit column 13 for the Islanders and 11 for the Wildcats. And uh, one thing I, that I noticed in the first period anyways uh for Charlottetown, a lot of their shots came from in between the dots, whether it was right in front of the crease or right above the dot or at the point. It was like their five shots in the first period were right in the middle of the ice, whereas uh, the Moncton shots, a lot were on the outside. There was one right next to the net. There was one from behind the net, which actually was a goal. Um, what, but out of seven, five, three of them were from the point, long-range shots, Uh, which one ended up turning into a goal shot from the point um, and then a second opportunity and then two more from the left wing side outside of the uh, face-off circle and it just it seemed like charlottetown did a good job defensively keeping those shots to the outside but um, in that first period moncton had bodies in front of the net you know they put pucks there from you know wherever and that second goal was a great op- example of it is you know shot from the point through traffic rebound picked up and you're up two nothing
0: a turning point to me in the game though was when colton ellis who made a lot of key saves for them he didn't get busy in the third because charlottetown took momentum of the game but when Moncton had halfway through the game in the second so halfway through the period they had momentum Moncton did and i mean they were all over and, they were all over charlottetown and i mean colt nellis made a couple big saves and then moments later kieran gallant scores that goal to tie it up and i feel like that was a momentum changer i mean colt nellis i mean if you're a goaltender young goaltenders listening to this you have to make those key saves you got to make three to four saves a game possibly that should have been goals and you made those saves those are game-changing saves and it really picks your team up so young goalies that can bail their team out like that always know that that's a momentum changing save when you make those saves. So that was nice to see that too, that Colton Ellis made those big key saves. And then they, Charlottetown came down and hockey gods on their side. And they later <laughs> Yeah. That's how, it goes. that's how it goes. You make those key yep. saves. You always get a goal. Always. Yeah. You, you look at the
1: shots where they came from for Moncton in that second period, a lot better, uh, more high efficiency shots. Uh, obviously they didn't score, but uh, there were three shots below the dot. There were a bunch in the middle. Only one came from the point, which you don't want. You want your D to get involved in the offense. But, hey, that's just the way it goes when the other team's playing good defensively. But um, I felt like there were a lot more high-percentage shots. And in terms of the home plate area, it was a little bit better for Moncton. Um, Charlottetown, for them, a lot of shots from the left-wing side. In the second period, they they had one shot from the right-wing side. Yeah, that whole second period, the
0: game-winning goal might be the nicest goal of the night too by Lucas Cormier. Yeah, that was that was a, a perfect shot, shot, walk off the wall, close to the red line. It wasn't; it was a bad angled shot, but I mean, it was like the Liam Foodie goal on Frederick Anderson in Toronto, <laughs> Game Five. Love um, bringing that up, eh? Well, that was definitely a snipe. Oh yeah, he, they plan to do that, but I mean, Cormier was very similar. He was on the right side, so he's on his forehand side. Yep. He just rips it right over the blocker's side. That was a nice shot. Yeah, uh, third period, fifteen shots for
1: the yeah. Charlottetown Islanders, only six for Moncton, which can't happen when you're trying to come back in a hockey game. But yeah, they didn't push. Yeah, there, there was, was no just there, there was just shot after shot. They're like they, the Islanders had guys throwing pucks from the top of the dot. They had numerous opportunities in front of the net where. Um, you know, the Moncton goaltender came up huge in, uh, in terms of Dakota Lund Cornish, who I thought played pretty well as well. There were yep, a couple times where he didn't get a little bit of help from his D and actually I'll bring this up now because I had previewed it and I don't know if anyone got that message. I just got on my phone. If that ding went into the audio or not, but, uh, <laughs> hopefully um, not. Busy. Uh,
0: trade, yeah. the w- right. Trade works. Maybe. Uh-oh, let's going- Something's going on. Did you hear it again? Yeah. yeah oh, well.
1: <laughs> terms of Zoom, whatever. Um, so th- this fourth goal for the Charlottetown Islanders, uh, scored by our game MVP, uh, Thomas Casey. A little bit of a mental breakdown by the de- defense for Moncton. Shot right into the bread basket of, uh, of the Moncton goaltender and he gives up a pretty bad rebound. Now he probably should have had that. So D shouldn't have really been a problem on this, but Jordan Spence had no idea Casey was behind him. Casey was all alone in front of the net. And um, he, he almost got over the goaltender uh, for the Moncton Wildcats almost got over and made that save. Lund Cornish did a great job sprawling over trying to, he know he screwed up. He had to get over um, but obviously, with a wide open net, he's going to find a hole somewhere, whether you're there or not. And, um, Jordan Spence is just with his back turned to, uh, to Casey. Casey's got his stick on the ice, loose puck hits his skate, is able to poke it past, uh, Lund Cornish. And the other defender's just too late to get Casey as he was coming to the net. And, um, Again, whether Moncton would have scored an equalizer if it would have made it, obviously would have been closer if it was still three-two in the dying seconds with their goalie pulled. But that's just a mental breakdown. Where in the first game of the season since you know you got shut down in the spring, you're going to expect mental lapses like that. And the way exactly. the way Jordan Spence played was just unbelievable. And then you hate to see a mental lapse like that happen because it ruined a great game for him.
0: Yeah, especially for the first game of the season too. Yeah. Yeah, the quick uh, Gary Bettman message for uh, Thomas Casey. Yep. Game MVP is a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) The Gary Bettman
1: impression. Yeah, he finished with two goals and was a plus two on the night. So uh, Thomas Casey, a good start to his season.
0: I think on our Twitter, we got to put in brackets the Q in 60. Ooh. Twitter poll. Are we doing this every week? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe every other. Yeah, I don't know. We'll
1: have to decide. suspense up it might have just been a uh, one-time opening night thing
0: yeah we'll see yeah we'll see
1: yeah but it was nice so uh yeah um, it was fun. got some junior hockey but we'll definitely be watching and by the way i gotta pull it up uh-oh what do you mean uh-oh <laughs> shout out to Moncton wildcats radio yeah. guy tim rosell yeah great, great game great, great game call. great he called
0: call. yeah great call you got a little shout out there too i did
1: I like that when radio, when you tweet at radio guys and they're like, Oh, this person's listening in from here. And I didn't say I was listening. Obviously it was assumed I was listening in, but I tweeted, I'm saying, Hey, like sounds in midseason form. You guys got to tune in here. And a great call from uh, Tim Roselle of uh, Moncton wildcats
0: radio. Good idea. So uh, DM us on Twitter uh, where you're listening from. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Seriously, I, mean, I mean,
1: we've got the locations
0: on, uh, on our uh, stats yeah. page on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I don't trust computers. Oh, I'm a, okay. I'm from the country, right? I guess.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and by the way, Tim, he's got connections here in Ontario. His parents live in Chatham, Kent. Yeah. Chatham, nice ballpark. Really?
0: I've never been. Yeah. Great ballpark. Oh, okay.
1: Nice area. I'll, I'll, I'll never go be, again,
0: but. Chatham might be hosting a uh, American OHL team too. They might. Yeah, you want
1: to? We got about just under three minutes left in the segment. You want to run through quickly possible OHL homes or uh, Ontario homes for the Americans?
0: Uh, Leamington, uh, Strathroy, uh, Brantford, Niagara. I don't know if that's a good idea for Niagara to share with Yuri. No, I I don't think so. I think Brantford would be great because of the travel with uh, Guelph, London. Yep. Woodstock, I don't know. Probably Brantford would be easier than Woodstock because Brantford has been talked about an expansion in the past and a 160 effect on the line. So we're going to say Brantford. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't think anyone in Burlington, I don't think the GTA is accessible right now. I don't. Oh, think God, we, no. I don't think we touched that. Um, I think, though, we go Leamington or Chatham, Strathroy, somewhere out there. I'm, Leamington, I believe, is the affiliate. With, uh, For the, the Flint, Flint Firebirds, Firebirds. yeah. Yep, so I think they will go there. I think that's an option because you got connections there Mm -hmm. with GP staffs, but it all comes down to billets and hotel access. That's a lot of money to spend in hotels nightly, so I don't know if they'll want to do that, but we'll
1: see. Yeah, and I'm just going to do some quick math here in terms of Brantford just because I live here. Um, The capacity for the Brantford Civic Center is 2,952. So, and again, I don't know if this is updated from the new renovations or not. It probably is, but uh, 25% would be 738 fans. Oh, you beat me! Too. And there's plenty of standing room. Like you could easily add 50 more people for
0: standing room. Do you want to do that though? Do you want to add people with social distancing and stuff? I feel like. Yeah, others-
1: that's, a, that's another thing about the Brantford Civic Center. The entrances aren't. There's, there's really there's- one end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cause if
1: there's no fans, it doesn't really matter where you play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the rink has to be big enough. Yeah. That's quite the a big few thing. that aren't. <laughs> that's the big thing. Ice, um, ice cool. Quality. I used to. Yeah. So we might do that as a Twitter poll. We might put up possible homes for each OHL club. So we might go Flint. What would be the best home Saginaw best home Erie, where would be the best place for them to play? So we'll put that up on Twitter at the own 60 podcast. Have yours say if they want you want them to come to your hometown well we might vote. have it up on there
0: vote Branford for an 0 and 60 effect right it you would should. be a vote for Branford. A vote for the people <laughs> <laughs> said no one ever
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all right that wraps this one up uh when we come back after we drink some water uh, um we've got our lists for the ohl or for the nhl draft which is tonight Round one, virtually, each of the top picks get a hat from each team. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty sweet, eh? Free hats. That's not bad. Um, So we've got our list of the top 10 OHLers. I've got a couple honorable mentions as well. Um, We're also going to try and run through the first round. Might be a little tough after the top 10, but uh, um, we'll try and get through it. And uh, that'll pretty much wrap up our show. So uh, uh, that all happens next. On the Owen sixty podcast.
0: This is the Owen sixty. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Owen sixty pod for all the latest updates and news from around the OHL.
1: Welcome back to the Owen sixty podcast. I'm Reese Demani, along with Colin Ward, and final segment of this week's show gets you ready for the NHL draft, and we're going to run through who we think is going to go where, and we're not scouts by far, but we've seen highlights of these guys play as, as much as we could find. And this is kind of what we're basing off of that and other mock drafts that we have seen. So we're kind of um, going all over the place uh, with these. But uh, in terms of OHL draft-eligible players, we're going to start with that. So we've got our top 10 draft-eligible OHLers. I've got a couple honorable mentions as well, so you could give me 12. but. Um so Colin, we'll start with you. Who's uh who's the top spot uh, for your OHL uh, uh draft list?
0: Quentin Byfields man first. I mean Ely yeah. Town. I feel like he's gonna go top three for sure. Quentin Byfields first. Yep, same with
1: me. Uh, big body, he can skate, he can make plays. Um that's what Ottawa and LA will be deciding between. Obviously, LA will decide. Uh, between the two and then whoever they don't take more than likely Ottawa's was going to grab between uh quentin byfield and tim stutzel hopefully stutzel falls to four but
0: uh <laughs> the john bruden hard knocks thing by the yep. way one of the best hbo shows ever hard knocks it's my favorite never seen it yeah you got to get on though it's great it's oh, like four, five episodes too it's not that bad oh that's it's, all right it's really good number two on your list uh, Cole Perfetti. You'll oh. see. You'll see where he goes. You'll see uh-huh. where he goes when we get to our next uh, thing. For me, I've got Jamie
1: Drysdale. And I know that might be the conventional. Oh, of course, you gotta go one forward, one D. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. Jamie Drysdale just that blew me away his world junior. Just the just the confidence he had in his game as one of the younger guys. And I know he was considered at times the extra defenseman. Um, but he definitely didn't look like it. The semifinals against Finland, he just played unreal. The way he took over yeah. certain parts of the game, like that's just that's something you don't see on that stage very often from a player um that's considered your seventh defenseman.
0: Great moments are made with great opportunity, Reese, and that's well, what he had
1: there. I love that, even though it's an hey, American. That's quote. New, hey,
0: that's our new feature game thing. The great moment, great opportunity, play of the game. <laughs>
1: Ooh, I like that. I'm writing that down.
0: That's our new featured thing. Well, yeah, we get so the, the the hockey movie,
1: the great moment,
0: great opportunity. Yep. Moment of the game.
1: Moment of the game. But <laughs> put play in brackets. But play in brackets. And we'll get a clip of the play, and we'll. Okay, I like that.
0: Well, yeah. Mint. That might be the great moment, great opportunity pick of the draft, Jamie Drysdale. Yeah. Exactly. Again, he's,
1: he's rumored to be one of those names. And there's a lot of names that, uh, uh, that Steve Eiserman's going to go over with him. And well, we'll get to the other names, but uh, he's one of them for sure. Uh, yep.
0: Number three. Number three, Jamie Drysdale. <laughs> the medicine, didn't have to go far. Yeah. Uh, number uh, three for me,
1: it's Marco Rossi. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah
1: again, better. he's like Drysdale. He's not the biggest. He takes over games. He gets points. That's, that's all he does. He was part of a winning culture in Ottawa. And I think that helps.
0: Yeah. Very good defensively. I saw him play two or three times this year. I forget. Mm-hmm. Been to a few games this year. I mean, the second I remember watching him and I just thought you didn't really notice him much, but he was so good in the defensive end, like retrieving yeah. pucks, winning puck battles, which is huge to winning games. So to me, that's what stuck out watching yeah. Marco Rossi. Well, and I saw – you, you saw the same article too, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Marco
1: Rossi uh, was a huge idol of Pavel Datsyuk and, and he almost tried to know. model his game after Pavel Datsyuk.
0: Ha- you see that ability in the defensive zone for sure, 100%. When you see him in the defensive zone, he's got that hunched over looking for the puck all the time as I kind of yeah. react But, yeah, <laughs> you always see him, like, always in the play looking to intercept pucks, pick guys' pockets – Mm -hmm. And he's so shifty in the defensive zone, getting in spots, meeting guys to spots, which is very uh, impressive. Yeah. Number four. Number four for me is Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn. Big guy. Very big guy. I like
1: that about him. That's a a big quality that Jack Quinn has over a lot of these other guys. When you look at Perfetti and Rossi, he's one of the bigger guys. um, When you look at Byfield, he's uh, one of the taller guys too. But Jack Quinn. Um, When you can use your size to your advantage to do so much uh, with the puck in terms of passing and um, just getting around guys is unbelievable. And Quinton Byfield, obviously, on another level when it comes to that. But Jack Quinn uh, definitely has some, or if not most, of the same attributes that Quinton Byfield has. Not all, because he doesn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but he has the ability to take games over.
1: Yeah. Yeah, him and Rossi are pretty – Pretty nice duo there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for me, that's where I've got Cole Perfetti at number four. Uh, okay. Cole Perfetti is, uh, again, you've seen him the last two years. Anyone that's watched the OHL has been very impressed by Cole Perfetti, as I have. And um, just, I, I can't get over the size of this draft class, how talented they are, and how much, yeah. how, From, like, how short they are.
0: When we get to like the full draft. The next here you're gonna see that a lot of players their size and their points it's you're gonna get a good talented player anywhere from four to 15 mm-hmm. you're going to get a good player yep well, number five mine's a little off mine's, the
1: board but i'll start with you
0: mine's marco rossi yeah marco rossi Mine Great. five <laughs> yeah uh-oh should i guess me shock I was going to say that. I was going to say that. Yeah, I've
1: got him there. Um, and I, I wish we could have seen him with Jan Unique. I really I like that. Would have been just unreal. I, he would have been ranked so much higher. I feel if he yeah, was he, playing with Jan Unique.
0: Yeah, he goes. He goes top fifteen, fifteen to twenty. If yeah, maybe now he goes fifteen to twenty, but he goes top fifteen with Unique. Does Arizona go get him? Yeah, I, I think Jan
1: unique's property of the Coyotes.
0: Yeah, I think Colorado. Colorado, yeah, good, good uh, guy to have there with Ranton and McKinnon. Yeah, shifty guy. Yep, points up. Number six, six is Jacob Perot. Jacob's a sting. Yeah, I like what I saw from him in the three games I saw him play this year. I liked him. Yeah, for me,
1: at, uh, at number six is where I have Jack Quinn.
0: Yep. That's respectful. Yep. Uh, seven. Ryan O'Rourke. I thought you'll see where I have him going, to next uh, yeah. to Cameron. I think a lot of people there on the show kind of think where I got him going. Might. Right. Um, right. I've got Tyson Forster at Forster. number seven. Solid. I have him going in the second round, first pick mm. to Detroit. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tyson Forster definitely put his name on the map. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, uh, at the top prospects game. I, I
1: lied. lied.
0: I don't have it. I don't have him going to Detroit in the second wow. round. You'll see. Wow. People are here. People are here next. Uh, next segment. Or yeah. Uh, uh, number eight. Number eight. I have Tyson Forrester.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. So,
0: but now you know where it's going to go. You know what's
1: hilarious? Number eight, I've got Jacob Perot. <laughs> yeah, we just Yeah. That's
0: what's going to happen, though. I feel like on our draft list, we're going to have, like, similar picks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is fine. we got to speed things up probably anyway so we don't go three hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number nine. Yeah, and me sack. All right.
1: Number nine for me it's our boy luke evangelista
0: hey hey in the background yeah <laughs> i got a tape i got a tape on the back 14 evangelista get i got customized what do you mean no but all the guys we had on our show I got to get the t-shirts printed off and just hang it up like a rafters i'd be a cool segment that'd be all right yeah that'd be a cool layout you i'm gonna put do that up on our
1: website who we've had on our on our show we gotta do that i'll do that maybe in the next <laughs> week or so
0: yeah um Number ten, number ten. I got Martin Chromiak, first pick in the second round. That's my first pick in the second round. Detroit. Chromiak's a great player, very smart player. Mm -hmm. Number ten for me is his teammate,
1: Zade Wisdom. Wiz. Yeah. And I know him. I know people would say Chromiak and oh, he's you know way better than Wisdom. That very well may be, but. I just think Zade Wisdom, the way he played this past season, despite being under the – and a lot of the Frontenacs were. They were under the shadow of Shane, yeah. right, because everyone – oh, 15-year-old's in the league. we got to see how he performs. Does he live up to expectation? And, you know, all the Frontenacs had to deal with that, whether it was Chromiak or Wisdom or uh, Callens. Um, you know, I thought Zayd Wisdom definitely separated himself from the conversation in terms of one of the leaders and one of the elite talents uh, for the down. Kingston Frontenacs.
0: Yeah, he took that step up.
1: Yeah. All right. I got two honorable mentions. We'll start with yours. Who are your two? All right. I got Luke Evangelista
0: and Yarmir Hitlick. Hitlick. I like, I like his game. I liked his game when I saw him this year. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Yeah, he's de- definitely going to add to uh, Donovan, Donovan Marie's chances. Donovan's uh, and playing, playing, the M- Dawes were close to, though, to my list as well. Yeah. Yeah. For me,
1: I wanted to get in a goalie, so I got a Nico Dawes. Yeah, as a, as an honorable mention, again, just everyone saw the season he had and made the World Junior team and played played unreal this year for a Guelph team that wasn't too good, especially after the trade deadline. So, yeah, uh, he's one. And then two is Jean luc Foodie of the Windsor Spitfires.
0: Nice, nice pick. Yeah, yeah. he's gonna get picked. He'll yeah. get picked earlier than you think, just because he got those ties. Yeah, he's got. The- other ties I know a lot of teams like that mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah and there were a couple other close ones uh, Antonio strong just despite having a down year this year I still think he 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 looked good <laughs> what are you laughing at <laughs> yeah. um, he was a guy that I'd considered obviously O'Rourke uh, another guy as well but uh, yeah
0: those are our top 10 uh, another, another another one the guy that we had on our show that real shoe. Yeah, I can't wait to hear his name get picked on Wednesday, more than likely Wednesday. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, Yeah. I can't, I just can't wait to hear him get picked coming from two years ago now at this time playing junior C in Dresden to getting drafted in the NHL. It's just a crazy story. And I mean, you don't really hear that a lot. I mean, he was a great junior C goalie. He's a great OHL goalie, as people have saw. Mm -hmm. And he's more than likely going to be a good NHL goalie as well. He's got a great work ethic. Yep. That's exciting too. Yeah, so uh, if you didn't agree
1: with it, and I'm sure people didn't, uh, uh, tweet us. We'll have a discussion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to our NHL mock draft, if you want to call it that, mm. our uh, top 31 picks, and we've got just over eight and a half minutes left in the show, so might have to run through this a little bit quicker. Top, but go
0: uh, top 15 quick.
1: Yep, uh, number one. I don't think that's any any debate. Alexi Lafreniere headed to mm. uh, headed to Big Apple
0: at MSG. Yeah. Yeah, Alexi Lafreniere for sure. Yeah. I mean 112 points in 52 games. You, Pretty good, that's just, eh? That's just fun to be on his line. You know, just go to the net with your stick on the ice and hopefully yep. and I mean, just hit it. Yes. Tap it in. Hopefully tap he in. hits it, or if he doesn't, he hits the back of the net. One or the yeah. other. Yeah, you give him the
1: puck. <laughs> you just yeah. give him the puck look for him. Get yeah. it and get rid of it. Um number two. LA Kings. Yeah, I I I've got Tim Stutzel here. I think yeah. he fits that their plan a little bit better. I was going to put Drysdale because wow. I think they could use defense, but they just traded for Oli Mata. So that's, I'm like, okay, that just went out the window.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think obviously Form-
1: Ole Mata is not a, former, a, a former
0: yeah,
1: obviously Mata is not going to be a huge, huge difference maker where
0: Drysdale may become one day, but. You know, you know what though? This is going to be a big thing, I guess, because you just said two guys and I don't have any of them on my list. You know who I got at two? Who? Byfield. He he fits that OHL plan. I mean Aiden Dudisakil Thomas. I I had considered that. I really did. Quentin Byfield's going number two to the LA Kings. I've got I've got yeah, I've got him at three for
1: Ottawa. Yeah. I just had Byfield
0: at two. Yeah. Three Ottawa. You said Dootel or Byfield? Yeah, I've got Byfield three. Yeah, I have Tim Stutzel, which is going to break my heart because I want Detroit to draft him <laughs> so bad. Other than Lafreniere, he's my favorite player in the draft. I mean, his first shift at the Olympics, I watched him Or at the yeah. World Junior. I'm like, wow, yeah. this guy, Matthew Barzell, like, he controls the place. Such a good skater. So good with the puck. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw how uh, Lucas Reichel did and Patriczka did on his lawn and with him at the World Juniors. They looked unreal. I mean, he's such a good player. I, yeah, He'll go three to Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa can't pass up on that.
1: Oh God, no! If they do, then holy crap, Detroit's yeah. gonna, Detroit's gonna have a party.
0: The, another that 28, another twenty-eight, another twenty-eighteen type draft for Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great draft. <laughs> great draft. <laughs> Jonathan, Ber- Jonathan Bergman right now is lighting it up in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Even he's, even Philip Sedina like, had a great year in Europe, even though he's injured now. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. Uh, number four, the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Who do you got? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you can okay. go first. I got Alexander Holtz. Detroit needs a goal scorer. You love him. Oh, he's got a great shot. Hey, you got the best players in the draft at three, but the best pure goal scorer in the draft, you take him at four. Mm-hmm. Alexander Holtz. I mean, like I've been saying all week, it's like a fastball. It's like a hard-throwing pitcher. Yeah. That's a goal scorer, in my opinion. I mean, a hard-throwing pitcher, they're going to get out there and get K's. Uh, goal scorers and go out there, shoot the puck, create scoring chances, and score goals. I mean – I tell you, win game score goals. I think of Alexander Holtz with a guy like with Phillips, Adina, and uh, Belino as well. Mm-hmm. You look at that second line, Detroit behind Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Mantha. That's a yeah. great, that's a great second line. The second line could be better than their first line, to be honest. Like, but with potential, all first round picks and two top ten picks. I mean, yep, I'll take my chances with that. Yeah, Steve Eisman will get this pick right. Oh yeah. Yeah, he got I, the most
1: cider. Pick. Although I heard a I heard a rumor about most cider, but um, oh. I, don't, I don't know if I should share it. Uh oh, don't that? that uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you after. Okay. I I don't know if it's worth sharing. Uh, number four for me, I've got Marco Rossi going to Detroit. Yeah, um, that's another. I think I think that Steve Iserman is almost. He's not trying to build the Detroit Red Wing team of 2002 that had such a great number of talented players. But I think that Iserman wants to look for defense in a forward. And I think with Marco Rossi being an idol of Datsuk, like, you know, seeing the way he played modeling his game after him, like how many Selkies did Datsuk win as the best defensive forward. Right. And I think Marco Rossi fits that perfectly with what uh, the Iserman may be looking for.
0: Yeah, that's a great pick. I mean, he's he's my second option on this, too, for Detroit. I Cole Perfetti was my third just because another goal scorer, but I thought Alexander Holt's the best goal scorer in the draft. Yep. If he's not available, then you take uh, Marco Rossi just because of his two-way ability. Yeah. I like, on to five. Yep. Ottawa Senators, second pick in the first round. Two top five picks. I go defense. I don't think they go forward here. I think they go defense because – I think the problem is with Ottawa coming up. I think they got a Toronto problem where you have a bunch of good forwards, but other than one guy on defense, who do you got? Right. Yeah. So I, I think they go defense. And I think they go Jake Sanderson. Mm, the American. Yep. I think they go Sanderson. I know they have a lot of, I know they like him from things that I've heard. I know Ottawa really likes Sanderson and Sanderson and Askaroff, I would not be surprised to go at five.
1: Yeah. At five. I've got defense as well, but I've got Jamie Drysdale.
0: Yep. Yeah. I've got him there. Yeah, I think they go defense for sure. I think after the first round, you get Tim Stutzel. Mm -hmm. I think you go defense. But uh, Raymond wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, I can see that.
1: I mean, again, if if they want all the firepower, then...
0: I think it's going to go to needs. What do you need more? Because everyone's basically the same. So I think it's going to come to what do you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree. Uh, Number six. Anaheim. I go Lucas Raymond. I've got and him, you, too. Oh, beauty. <laughs> 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 Play the wings, go horn. Yeah, I think that Raymond's just a skilled guy. Anaheim just needs to go best available. Now, at that time, I think he's the best available player. I think Lucas Raymond goes at six. Number seven. This is a big one. New Jersey Devils. New yep. Jersey has a bunch of first-round picks. So, so I think they have they have three. So I think I go years, I go uh, Askaroff her here at 7, the goaltender, just because you look at New Jersey's system, the goaltending spot is kind of dry, where if you get an Asker off behind a Corey Schneider, you can slowly – I mean, when Schneider came up with the Luongo situation, right? I, I right. thought I thought about having him there, but uh, the only
1: thing about goaltending in New Jersey is how much are they relying on Mackenzie Blackwood to turn out to be a yeah, stud. That, think- that, that's what kept me from putting him there.
0: Two for uh three first round picks for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, so I was right. Yeah. Three first. I think they go goaltender there just because I don't know about the Blackwood situation. I don't mm-hmm. I think kind of ran out. Yeah. Right. Askaroff comes in, he's a legit
1: elite yeah. you
0: know, goaltender. I mean everyone ranks him high. So if he's ranked in the first round, I'm sure he's gonna be a number one goalie and a good goaltender for the future. Yeah.
1: For me at seven to go to New Jersey, I've got Anton Lundell.
0: Ooh, not bad.
1: Yeah. I've, uh, I don't know whether that's off the board or, you know, what we've got, uh, no, what yeah. everyone's got on him, but uh, I see New Jersey going that way. Yeah. I can see that. On to eight, the Buffalo Sabres. Yes. And Buffalo. we've had lots of discussions about this.
0: Yeah. Buffalo, I go Cole Fatty. I think Cole Perfetti going eight is an amazing drop. I don't think it's a drop, dramatic drop, just because look at the draft. The players are that we're naming are all elite players. Yep. I mean, Cole Perfetti is another great player, but I just think it goes to team names and the or team needs and the people in front of them, the teams in front of them. So I think uh, Cole Perfetti going to Buffalo is a great one. I also thought Alexander Holtz is a great pick for ball for uh, Buffalo, just because you get the goal scorer. So Cole Perfetti plays with Jack Eichel. And now you get a goal scorer to play with Jack Eichel really helps him out in which I think is a great bonus for him. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, I hit the wrong map.
1: Uh, for, for Buffalo, I have Alexander Holtz.
0: Yeah. Another one. Great um, goal.
1: Yeah. A little bit deeper than you, but, um, I think the coin flip. Yeah. Yeah. In Buffalo, you could use another great shot. I mean, and there's the time, whatever. Um, I mean, you've got Eichel who can shoot the puck. You've got Reinhardt up there. Um, whatever they're doing with middle stat, he still could be an impact player. Um, I would
0: surprise you if they go D here as well.
1: Yeah, that could happen. Yep, for sure. And that's that's where talk- I think Sanderson could slide to.
0: Yeah, because it talks about wrist and I mean, he's been up for trade talks for the last two years now. Yeah. So it's about that. I could see that as well. On to nine. Nine, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we're running out of time here. So go top 15 to quick. Yeah. Uh, nine. I go uh, Jamie Drysdale to Minnesota. Great pick for Minnesota.
1: I've got Jack Quinn. You got to replace the size Beauty. of Eric Stahl. So Beauty.
0: Jack Quinn goes there. Beauty. 10. I got another OHL, another OHL going to Winnipeg. Marco Rossi. Great pick for your Winnipeg. Great I've pick. Got, I've got Cole Perfetti. I think if the
1: if the Patrick Line trade talks are really a if thing. It's, then... If it's
0: real, they're going forward and they're going goal score. Yeah. If it's real, they will go for a goal score like that. Mm-hmm. Uh on to eleven. Yeah. National Predators. They went Phil Tomasino last year, so I think they go D this year. I think they take Caden Gooley. Mm.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got them taking a winger. I've got uh, uh, who do I've got here? I've got uh, Noel Gunier. Okay. I've got him going to the, uh, to the Nashville Predators. Uh, he, him playing in the SHL last year, he's an option that they can just bring him right into the system and uh, and start having their core start meshing, working together. Phil Tomasino, I think, has a really good shot to be on Nashville next year. Yeah. 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 That's Goonler, by the
0: way. Sorry. Apologies for it. It's Goonler. All good. Uh, 12, we go to Florida. Yep. Um, I have the Ottawa 67, Jack Quinn going to Florida. Great pickup for Florida. Great pickup. Mm -hmm. I mean, some extra goal score. Yep. For me again, I'm, (laughs) I'm going out,
1: not in Canada or North America. I'm, uh, I'm going with, uh, Rodion Amirov from Russia. All right. Yeah. I think, I think again, um, you know forwards are big in this draft and you know you look at the D talent there it's unbelievable too but um, in terms of a mirror off again I just I like that aspect of playing like men's hockey already yeah that's just that's that's what I like
0: yep for sure man I mean you're playing against men you're a step up on the yeah. major junior uh, on the 13 the Carolina Hurricanes Mm-hmm. Um, 13. I have Anton Lindell. That's a great pick at 13. Yeah. It's a great pick at 13. Yeah. I've got uh, 13.
1: I've got Yaroslav Askarov. Good pick. Falling Good pick. to 13. Goaltender to Carolina,
0: James That's- Reimer
1: and Peter Morazic. You can't rely on them forever. They're both injury prone. And
0: yep. the bully and Oscar- would fit nice there. Askro. Yeah. Oscar- Having a good men's league there too to end up the end the season. Yeah, fourteen Edmonton Oilers. uh, Seth Jarvis, Mm. great. Another good pick at fourteen. Yeah, I mean the more I saw this, I go uh, like if you have a pick, if you pick in the top twenty, you are getting a great player. Yep, there's another one. Um, do you have a fourteen?
1: Fourteen. I am going with Dylan Holloway. Nice. That's University nice. of Wisconsin center slash winger, depending on um, whatever Edmonton that's feels for- like they need more.
0: Yeah, that's nice to get some uh, versatility out there. Yeah, uh, instead
1: of just McDavid and Drysdale running
0: the show, or yeah, Drysdale,
1: Drysdale.
0: Yeah, they need a lot of that. You got OHL on the brain. Yeah, I do. <laughs> all the time. time. <laughs> yeah, um, 15, 15, The Toronto Maple Leafs. Is this her last pick? Yeah, this will do. This will be the last one. Yeah. Okay. Fifteen. I have the defenseman Braden Schneider going to Toronto.
1: I've got defenseman Jake Sanderson going to
0: Toronto. Wow, that's a fall. Yeah, uh, Toronto fans are going to love you. I mean, they're going to be all over you. You're going to get so many. Uh,
1: I think this is going to be a big first round of forwards.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I mean, goal yeah. scoring wins games too. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Another that fun one. Yeah, fun yeah, that all uh, Zoom call type thing we could say. Yeah, good old
1: Zoom, if you well, want to call it that
0: the player interviews if we have any more before the season starts it'll be yeah yeah we'll have to see yeah that won't be bad no you can figure that out
1: yeah but uh that's uh that's our 36th episode and first one from home hopefully we're back in studio as soon as we can my second
0: my second from oh yeah
1: you did one on the phone i forgot about that that sucked that one sucked yeah Yeah, it wasn't it, it sucked to have you on the
0: phone is this is I mean. a lot better yeah the traffic report was about a 10 minute. <laughs> i had to back the car out of the drive out of the garage so that was a that was all right though there wasn't a lot going on i had to
1: walk up the stairs it's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right yeah all right We're that'll there. end
1: it uh, week 36 is in the books this is the owen 60 podcast we will chat next week play the wings goal horn <laughs>